life's most important relationships. What a tragedy it would be to go through life and to fail to emphasize life's most important relationships. But really, that's what many do. One can go through their life and fail to emphasize the most, report, and most important relationships in all the world. What comes to your mind when you think about God? What comes to your mind when you think about God? Because your relationship with God, or lack thereof, will have an impact on your relationships with others. What comes to your mind when you think about God? I really think that that's one of the most telling things about a human being. When you think about God, what comes to your mind? I know this. If we could ask Jesus what comes to his mind when he thinks about God... No doubt our Lord and Savior would smile. And I know it would be the sweetest smile that we've ever seen. And he would say to each and every one of us, He's my Father. He's my Father. And He wants to be yours too. He's my father and he wants to be yours too. The two books of the New Testament that emphasize the word father the most are the books of John and Matthew. It's interesting. John emphasizes the deity of Jesus. And the unique relationship Jesus has with the Father. He's fully God. And so he has a relationship with God along with the Holy Spirit. Unlike that of any other. Because Father, Son, and Spirit. We're talking God here. But when we look at the book of Matthew... He often speaks, Jesus does, of our Father who is in heaven. Matthew 6, 9. He often speaks of our heavenly Father. Or your heavenly Father. Or the heavenly Father. As a matter of fact, while it occurs about 140 times in the book of John, it occurs close to 50 times 44 in the Gospel of Matthew. And what Matthew emphasizes is that Jesus is the King. You know what? When we stop and think about it, our Heavenly Father is God. Our Heavenly Father is the King. Don't you think God knew 
that whenever this father-child terminology was used, that some people would be confused? Don't you think he realized that some people would be hurt because their feelings about their father here on earth has not really been good? It's not pleasant. Don't you think that he knows that some people would even be angry? Get this, please, and understand it. The Father knows how hard it is to trust another. But God is a Father like no other. I hope you had a good dad. Or you have a good father here on earth. But I suspect more do not than do. And so the terminology might be confusing or hurtful or even make you angry to think of God as Father because we project the image on God that we experienced growing up. God knows how hard it is to trust another, but God is a father like no other. Every time Jesus spoke to God in the New Testament, with the exception of one time, he referred to God as Father. Think about that. The only exception being while on the cross when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Matthew 27, 46. And the word that Jesus would have often used in speaking of the Father is the word Abba. Abba. Abba means intense and tender affection and security. Intense and tender affection and security. And it also carries with it the idea of respect and loving obedience. When Jesus called God Father, he used that word Abba, intense affection, security. There's this idea of respect and loving obedience to him. I guess about the closest word in our language would be the word Papa. Papa. It's not used a whole lot anymore. But the idea of tender, intense affection and security and the idea there of respect and loving obedience, that's there. Keep in mind, God understands how hard it is to trust but God is a father like no other. 
Now, for those that get confused and angry and hurt, when God is spoken of as Father, you can miss out on one of life's most important relationships because of your own past, your own history. Five types of fathers that dishonor the Heavenly Father. And then I'd like for us to consider seven truths about the Heavenly Father. You with me? Five types of fathers that dishonor the Heavenly Father. And seven truths about the Heavenly Father. Father number one that dishonors the Heavenly Father is the distant and aloof Heavenly Father. The distant and aloof Father, excuse me. You think about this particular Father and He never really reveals His love He's hardworking. He's sincere. He's a good provider. But as far as revealing his emotions, there are walls that have been built high and wide. And you know, there are often consequences to that type of fathering. Think about this. The Heavenly Father is a communicating Father. The Heavenly Father is a revealing Father. In some ways, A man who was my father for the biggest portion of my life. I have often wondered if I really knew him at all. Because he was distant and aloof in revealing and communicating his love, his feelings, his emotions. That kind of fathering does not honor the Heavenly Father. Number two, the authoritarian father. Like a drill sergeant in the army, this father, dad, he barks out orders. He he expects full and complete compliance, obedience. Obedience is the word of the home. Whether we're talking about the children, whether we're talking about one's wife. Think about that. Because while God is a God who wants obedience and a God who does have rules... God is gracious. Maybe you grew up in a graceless home. 
If you love me, keep my commandments, our Lord said. John 14, 15. God's grace, He reveals Himself and communicates. He has shown Himself to be gracious, so we respect and lovingly obey Him. That's His desire. And it's really part of life's most important relationship. A third type of father who can dishonor the Heavenly Father is this one, the abusive father. The abusive father. I mention these understanding that they may well bring up pain and hurt and anger in a few. But I mention them so I can let you know that the Heavenly Father is nothing like this. Perhaps you grew up in a home where verbal abuse was common from a father. where physical abuse occurred. Or most tragically, maybe even sexual abuse. Our Father in heaven is good. Please do not fail to trust Him because of an influence in your life. God is a Father like no other. Fourth, the absentee Father, never around, never present. How different the Father of Heaven is. He is the ever-present Father. I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You see, God knows how hard it is to trust, but He is a Father like no other. Fifth, And lastly, the accusing father. This father dishonors the heavenly father because he is quick to see the flaws and failings of his children and to bring them out. But he lacks affirmation. He lacks kindness. It's very important, my friend, that if you want to have life's most important relationships in your own life to be healthy and God-honoring, that you look at every relationship in view of the fatherhood of God. He is a father like no other. Listen to me, Adam. I've been at this a few more years than you, and if I have any regrets as a gospel preacher, one of my greatest regrets is that I haven't preached more about the fatherhood of God because nothing in the world will motivate people like knowing that there is a father like him. Isn't that right, church? 
how important it is to recall that he is a father like no other. Now, seven truths. Believing the Bible is a book by God and about Him, we ought to emphasize more the fatherhood of God in a biblical way. Seven truths. Truth number one. The Heavenly Father made us and sustains us. Talk about a God that's big and strong and mighty. He made us and He sustains us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6, the Word of God says, But to us there is but one God, one Father, from whom are all things and for whom are all things. Our Father. In Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 29, as Paul spoke with the philosophers of Athens and the people of that city, one of the first things he wanted them to come to grips with when he told them about the unknown God that they'd erected a statue and altar to was that he created us and he sustains us. In him we live and move and have our very being. We are his offspring. His creation. And he keeps us going. Hebrews 1 and verse 2 and 3. Secondly, here's a truth to keep in mind. The Heavenly Father loves us and has compassion toward us. The Heavenly Father loves us and has compassion toward us. If you would, look at Psalm 103 and verse 13. As a father has compassion to his children, even so our God pities us. He knows that we're only dust. He loves us and has Compassion. That was Psalm 103, verse 13. Turn, if you would, to 1 John 3, verse 1, that Jared read for us. And let me break the passage down this time as we look at it. Into six parts. The passage says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, and that we could be called the children of God. And such we are. Behold, you need to get the insight. You need to see the picture. You need to look and see. Don't be so blind that you can't see. Behold, look. And then secondly, what manner of love... It's really saying God's love is otherworldly. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my God, would die for me? 
What manner of love? Third, the Father. The Father. The individual. Behold what manner of love the Father. And in the original language, the Father is emphasized. It is placed at the end of this sentence to really emphasize the manner of love that should be beheld, that we can become children of God, and such we are. It's all of the Father. Fourth, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. He has lavishly and graciously given. So there's not a Christian alive who shouldn't be able to say, my cup runs over. Everybody should be able to say that. Next, number five. And that we can be called children of God. Family. Family. Life's most important relationships all find their primary focus on the Father and on being part of the family of God. It'll sweeten a husband-wife relationship, a parent-child relationship, a friend-to-friend relationship. It'll sweeten every relationship. And then, number six, the confidence, such we are. We can never doubt the Father's love and compassion, our God as creator and sustainer, because the gift of Jesus Christ won't let us. Number three. The Father provides and cares. The Father provides and cares. Interestingly enough, the idea of God as Father doesn't occur a lot in the Old Testament. 39 books, and Tim, there's not a whole lot said about God the Father. Normally, He's the Father of the nation of Israel. He's the Father of the covenant. But not always. Psalm 68 and verse 5 says he's the father of the orphan and the protector of the widow. A child who doesn't have parents, even in the Old Testament, needed to be aware that God is the father of the orphan and the protector of the widow. Your heavenly Father knows you have need of these things, Matthew 6, 25 and 26. He knows what we need. He's benevolent and good. Our God, our heavenly Father, number four, disciplines and corrects. Now, wait a minute, Mike. Wait a minute, Brother Mike. You were talking about how great and awesome God is. Now, keep in mind what I've said several times. Let me say it again. 
God knows how hard it is to trust another, but God is a father like no other. I am sure that there's some really good fathers in this assembly. Fathers who have loved Jesus and their families. I know I have. But there's not a father in all the world that looks enough like our Heavenly Father. There's not a father in the world that looks enough like the Heavenly Father. He disciplines and corrects. Hebrews 12, 5 through 11 says, Those that he loves, he disciplines. It says, Do not despise or look down upon the discipline that may come from the Lord because no father refuses to discipline their child if they love them. There's nothing abusive about this. You need to think about the discipline and correction of the Heavenly Father in connection with all these other truths. Our Creator and Sustainer, the One who loves us and is compassionate, the One who provides for us and who cares for us, He is also the One who uses the circumstances of life to help us learn to trust Him and love Him more. Number five, the Heavenly Father wants you. Now with some of us who have an exceedingly fragile ego... We may think that because the Heavenly Father wants us, well, how, how magnificent and worthy we are. But He wants you. Though a sinner, you listen to Thomas this morning in the Lord's Supper meditation. How worthwhile were we when we were separated and alienated from God by nature, children of disobedience. And without hope, He wanted people that no one else wanted. The Heavenly Father wants us Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners so that they could belong to the Father. 1 Timothy 1.15 Number 6 God the Father wants to adopt us into His family. God the Father wants to adopt us into His family. I remember just a few weeks ago, Brother Clay, we were talking and after a sermon that I did on, on parenting, and you said, all of the children that you've ever known always wanted to know who their parent was. The most important relationship in life is to know who your father really is. Your heavenly Father. 
and that he wants to adopt you, but not make you second rate or second class. Look, if you will, at Romans 8, verses 15 through 17. Romans 8, verses 15 through 17, speaks of how that Jesus has died for us as Christians and that God has given us the spirit of adoption. Because of the death of Jesus and because of the indwelling Holy Spirit, we can say, Abba, Father. There is that intimate affection and tender love, that respect and loving obedience that should be given to God, Abba, Father. Galatians 4, verses 5 and 6 make the same point. Galatians 4, verses 5 and 6. That passage talks about a spirit of adoption. He wants us, he wants to adopt us and make us part of his family. Sinners though we were. And again, because of the work of Jesus on the cross and the indwelling spirit, we say, Abba, Father. Those passages are making a great point God wants people who may be unwanted by many by most and he wants to adopt them into his family I can't help but think of how the greatest picture of a father's love was drawn by Jesus Luke 15, the father of the prodigal. And think about how in Luke 15, the father waits for a rebellious son who has squandered so much to come, and yet God, the father in the story, runs out to meet him and hugs him. Aren't you glad that the father doesn't have the attitude of the older brother in Luke 15? Next. The father, the heavenly father, wants to bless us with the blessings and inheritance of the kingdom. Go to Romans 8, 17 again and notice he not only adopts us into his family, but... We have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 1.3. Galatians 3.26. For in Christ. That's Galatians 3.26. Blessed again. Notice Romans 8.17. Heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ. God desires to share his blessings and wealth with his children. When the son came back, the prodigal put a robe on him, 
put a ring on his hand, put shoes on his feet, kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a feast, a party, because he's not just a servant. He's a son. When a person understands what God says about his fatherhood, there's not a right-thinking person who's ever lived that wouldn't want to run into his arms. You talk about wrong-headed and wrong-thinking. Please do not let maybe your experiences of fathers here on earth impact negatively experiencing a marvelous relationship with Father God. It is life's most important relationship and it will impact every other relationship. I believe that Christians have heard far too few sermons on this subject. And we've often been too quick to tell people what to do. But we have not shown them the Father. But you know if you see him as the father he is, you'll run to his arms because he knows it's hard to trust. It's hard to trust another, but there's not another father like him. We're about to stand and sing our song of encouragement. Perhaps someone here today wants to come to God in faith, repentance, and baptism. How blessed you'll be and how excited we'll be for you if you come to Christ today and are added to his family his church, his body. You see, you really can't be part of the family of God without being part of the church that Jesus shed his blood for. The two simply go together. God shows his love for us through Christ. For those of us who are Christians, let's make it something we resolve to do. In talking to others about God, let's make sure we diffuse some of the very flawed ideas people have about the fatherhood of God. It'll make them more receptive to see Him for who He is. We don't want to have people have flawed views of God that really dishonor His fatherhood keeping them from coming home. Let's stand and sing.